last week, you know, when we start singing about the name of Jesus or something changes in the atmosphere and it's just like the Holy Spirit just rushes in, you know, it's just beautiful. Now, if you see me put a tic-tac in my mouth, it's because I've had a scratchy voice this morning and I have been known to spit one out when I preach it, <laughs> so I will hope not to do that today. Um, look, the, the Lord is just so good, isn't he? You know, we come into church and, and we look up and we see welcome home. And it's just like, you know, it is your family when you come into church and you, you're, all, you're all in agreement. We're all in one accord because we're all here because we just want to worship Jesus. Over the last, I'll keep putting these on and off because when I've got them on, I can't see you. <laughs> um, over the past few months, I got back into some study and I thought, oh, it's so long since I've done anything, you know, like reading about the feasts of Israel. And so uh, this is just an introduction, mind you, the feast of Israel pit. But I, I started to read about the Passover again. And one of the commentaries which Pastor Ray McMartin gave me when I first started pastoring called The Shepherd's Staff. And wow, you know, does it open it up so beautifully. So I've been, you know, sometimes before I move on to the next one, I just keep going back over and over and think there's so much I don't know. You know, that's one thing that happens when you get older. You, you find out that there's so much you don't know. And when you're young, you think, oh, look, you know, I'm pretty good. I know it all. But no, <laughs> no, we don't. So, Lord, we just thank you for your word. It brings life and light. And God, it guides our way and your word is truth and Jesus, your name certainly is wonderful. Thank you, Lord. So in Exodus 12, and don't look it up because I'm just going, I'm not going so much into it, I'm just setting the, setting the scene, so, so to speak. Now Israel had been in slavery for four centuries at this time. And then God said to Moses, I'll bring one more plague and he will bring you out. He will let you go. Because we know that with all the plagues, you know, when they happened, Pharaoh said, yes, yes, you can go. And then he'd say, no, no, you can't. I'm not leaving. I'm not losing these slaves. So, you know, I guess Moses was getting a bit upset about this. And the people were grumbling because Pharaoh was making their life harder and harder because they were trying to get out of it. And so Pharaoh was a very cruel and very strong and powerful man. And I found out in the commentary uh, in the shepherd's staff that he wore a crown with a cobra on the front of it. And I thought, well, that said it all, didn't it? Because that was a principality over Egypt. He was ruling with Satan. And then I thought, how interesting that early on, when Moses said, oh, I can't do this, he said, well, just throw your staff down and I'll change it into a snake. And I thought, you know, like when you look at the significance of all the little things that you just don't always, you know, put together. So I love the way the prophetic words come through and every prophetic word actually comes to pass. And so we have full authority that every prophetic word for us now will come to pass. We know the end from the beginning, don't we? Read the book, read the book of Revelation. We know the end, you know, God is in control. And we need to say that to ourselves so often now. 
Anyway, 400 years before this, um, Jehovah told Abram, before he was Abraham, your descendants will be oppressed as slaves in a foreign land for 400 years, but I will punish those, the nation that enslaves them, and I will end this, and your people will come away with great wealth. And they did. I love to read that. That's in Genesis 15. Now, the last plague was, oh, you know, it was just so bad because uh, Moses said, there'll be death to the firstborn. There'll be death to your firstborn sons. And even of the animals, there'll be death. There'll be death. And not one of the Israelites were to be touched by this, you know? Like, what a powerful thing for Pharaoh to see. I mean, he saw so much else, but it didn't touch him personally. This was going to touch him personally. And again, this was God's plan and prophetic plan for us that would usher in the Passover lamb. And that's why we have communion, because Jesus is our Passover lamb, the, the final sacrifice. No more do we have to sacrifice. And the Lord said, take a perfect lamb, Take a perfect lamb and sacrifice it. Do the study. Jesus was declared perfect three times. We know that. And place the blood above the door and down the side of the lintel, which in a way makes a cross if you put it together. Put that on your doorpost. And when the death angel comes, I will pass over and the death angel shall not follow you. But then there was something they had to do. They were not to leave the house. They were to stay in the house all night long. They were not to go out and they were to eat the Passover lamb. And he said, I will not allow um, the, the angel to come, the death angel to come. So he placed himself over the Israelites' houses. And when you think about that, he passed over them. You think, well, how did he do that? But after reading a while, I come to understand that he covered, we understand that word better, he covered their houses. He covers our houses today. The promise is there, you will be saved and all your house. Like everything is in the Bible for a purpose, to teach us and to show us just how his amazing plan of redemption has come to pass. So he, he himself covered, he was their covering. Um, in Exodus 3.14, I saw that um, when Moses said, what will I say? And he said, say, I am. And, and the word I am comes from the Hebrew Yahweh, which we know well, of course. And it's a part of a phrase and it's indicating action. He's an action God. He's action, you know, like it's not a God just sitting there like a Buddha or, you know, they're dead gods, but he's a God of action. And he said, I wish to be known as the God who is present and active. And he is present and active here with each of us today in a, in a way that sometimes we don't understand until we look back and we see how present he has been with us. I just, I just love that, a present and active God. 
So the people actually did come out of the satanic rule under Pharaoh and they came in to rule under God through Moses, which we know would have been much better than under, under, um, under Pharaoh. And this is a picture, of course, and a forerunner to Jesus, our deliverer, Emmanuel, God with us, you know, an active God with us, God with us. You know, think about it like we heard today, God is with us. He's here now with us. So that's just, you know, and what really hit me when I was studying this, that the commentary that was written then led to Psalm 91 in the secret place. What's the secret place? Now, under the blood, under the blood, you know, now you probably all know that and I knew that too, but I'd never actually linked the Passover with Psalm 91. And that's where it led me. The protection we joy, enjoy is under the blood of Jesus, under the blood of our precious Saviour. And that, you know, I thought, oh, every time you know, I do some study, I learn something new. I'm, probably I forget it half the time, but I try not to. But the, the applied blood, you know, the study of the feast actually, um, you know, brought me again into such a knowledge of how great and how marvellous and how active and present God is in our life. So that led me to Psalm 91. So that was the introduction. I don't usually do introductions, but I'm sorry about that. And I've got my old falling, to part, falling apart um, amplified Bible, which I can't part with. I just can't. I even thought the other day, I wonder if they'd rebind it for me because <laughs> all the pages are loose. But it's, you know, like it's got 30 years of notes and everything in it and underlining and you know, when the Lord did something for me, I'd write the date beside it. When that, that, um, that scripture become life to me, I'd write beside it the date. And it's like reading through a diary, actually. It just encourages you. So I just want to open up um, Psalm 91. And this has been an absolute favourite of mine, you know, like from when I was a young person and we had to learn scriptures. You know, we used to be told by the pastor when I was 14, now you have to learn these scriptures this week because one day you're going to need them. We used to think, oh, well, all right, we'll learn them. Not actually understanding one day we did have to use those scriptures. We did need those scriptures. So in, in Psalm 91 and verse 1, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High... <coughs> And to dwell means, um, you know, the Hebrew word is uh, yash, as, I think. I'm not too good at um, pronouncing those. It means to sit down, to stake a claim, to resist or claim jumpers, to, to be at home in, to stay there, to possess and live there. Now, if someone comes to our house and wants to break in, we take every effort, don't we, to stop them coming in. And that's what it's saying. This is where we dwell if we're under the blood and we have to resist the things that the enemy would come against us with because we're under the blood, we're in the secret place. And it says that we shall remain, remain stable. Oh, we need to remain stable in these days, don't we? We need to, to be clear-headed and know what's going on and know how to protect ourselves. And it says to be fixed under the shadow or to be under the defence of the Almighty, 
whose power no foe can withstand, whose power no foe, any foe, any demonic thing that would come against you. The scripture tells us no power can, no, or foe can withstand. Do you see why we need to learn them? And we need to have them in our spirit so they will come out at the time, even for ourselves, you know, when something happens. And then verse 2 is saying this is the path that we have to play when we are in the, uh, the secret place of the Most High. It says, I will say of the Lord, so you will say of the Lord. You are my refuge and my fortress, my God. On you I lean and rely, and in you I confidently trust. We can, we can declare that over any situation. That he's telling us that we can use these scriptures. We know these scriptures are anointed. So we can say, you are my refuge, my fortress, God. In you I trust. When we come to some time when we don't know what to do and we don't know who to trust. Um, yes, and in verse 3 it said, for then he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. And that's the hook or the noose that's talking about in the Hebrew, the hook that um, somebody would hook an animal with or the snare was a hole where they would try to catch birds and, and the enemy will try to trip you up and, and get you into a hole. And it's very subtle the way he does that, very subtle. That's why we need to be so aware um, of what he's doing. And that's... That's one thing. And the deadly pestilence. And I thought, and I found out that the deadly pestilence covers rushing calamity. I've had some rushing calamities. Our family has had some rushing calamities. You know, like, whatever rushing calamity comes against you, we have the word of God to speak out over that rushing calamity. And, you know, they can be what we would think, there's no way out of this. But there is a way out of this because God has given us the way out of this. And from the deadly pestilence, you know, from crises and for things that just happen in our life that we're not prepared for, we don't actually know what's going to happen tomorrow or the day after. But God knows. And so he's telling us here, be confident, be in the secret place and I will be with you, I am with you. And then it says, he'll cover you with his pinions and under his wings shall you trust and find refuge. Remember Jesus said going into Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would gather you, I would gather you as the mother hand, I would put you under my wings. You know, the feathers are always speaking about safety and warmth and refuge and peace. So we can run to him and he will gather us in. And if you've seen a mother hen, you know how they do that. You know, they don't want anyone near them. Just gather them in, get them all around you. Um, just amazing stuff. I, I heard a story once where this um, woman was overseas and someone stole her purse and she chased him and she was trying to think of a scripture and she only think of the feathers and she said, I'm under his feathers, I'm under his feathers. And the person dropped the, the purse and ran because they thought, you know, she's mad. They just ran, you know, so it worked even in that situation. So under his wings shall we trust and find refuge. His truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. We don't need to be holding a shield. We don't need to have a buckler in this hand, you know, fighting all the enemy. 
His, his faithfulness and his truth is protecting every part of us. If we read his word and we know his faithfulness and we know his truth, he's protecting us. You know, like how easy is it? You know, like how easy is it? I just think it's so good. You shall not be afraid of the terror of the night, nor the arrow, the evil plots and slanders of the wicked that fly by day. And you think of the darkness, you know, there's so much evil done in the darkness because, you know, people want to cover what they're doing and people want to do bad things in the night. We don't have to be worried or frightened about that because the Lord says, you know, don't worry about that. Don't worry about the, the destruction and the, the things that can happen at night. I can remember once in my, um, in my work, I was working with a family and a little girl was too afraid to go to, to sleep at night. Whenever the darkness came, she would lie awake all night because she was just terrified. And the mum said to me, look, we've tried dream catchers with feathers, you know, and I said, well, look, let me share something. I'm a Christian and I believe that your child would really benefit from knowing that she has an angel that will guard her at night because God really loves her. Um, would you like me to tell her? It would be better if you told her. And she said, all right, I'll tell her that tonight. And she slept. The fear left her and she slept. Another young mum who was actually a co-worker had a child with exactly the same thing. And when I said it to her, she said, oh, we won't have any of that rubbish, thank you. She had the dream catchers, but they didn't work, did they? <laughs> so, you know, God's a faithful God. Now, the next one became very real to me, verse 6. And the sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. And a few years ago, I had a situation where that scripture became really alive to me. I, I was in a ladies' meeting in AOG in, in Wangaratta, and my daughter-in-law was playing keyboard and the, 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 the women were worshipping and we had a guest speaker and she was just about to minister. And so I went to get my grandchild because my granddaughter was playing keyboard. And it was a horrible, rainy, awful day and my Toyota didn't have all the up-to-date things and it was misty inside and I, didn't, I couldn't see as well as I should have. And when I got to the top into Murdoch Road, a car I pulled out and uh, this really old car, big heavy car, hit me in the side and there I was sitting in the car <laughs> and pouring rain outside as well. And I, I heard all of these things later. As all I can remember is sitting in the car, my daughter for some reason drove past and she's looking in the window saying, mum, mum. And then I think Alan drove past and he's standing there and I'm, I'm just quite out of it, you know. And then I heard someone say, can you lean over and can you open the other side door so we can get in? And I couldn't move. I just couldn't move. I was just sitting there. While this was happening, or just before it happened, a young woman in our meeting who was a cardiac nurse, very qualified from overseas, as she was worshipping, the Lord said to her, go now and follow Jill. And she said, but Lord, I'm, I'm having a good time here. I don't have to get my kids for another. Go now. So she obeyed and she left the church. And as she got up the corner, she saw me sitting there in the car. 
And then someone else went back to the church and said, start praying. And they started praying this prayer from Psalm 91, you know. And then one of my other friends went and stood on the opposite corner and she's really out there, you know, like she's not afraid of anything and she prays wherever. And she was on the corner saying, and I declare in the name of Jesus this death that would come at midday will not have, you know. And she was going for it and people thought she was quite mad. And then when my young friend arrived, someone had just prized the door open and she elbowed them aside, this slight little thing, and she felt my pulse and she said, Julie, you had no pulse. You, you weren't there, you were gone. And I, I, was, I didn't hear all this until later. And she said she started praying and she started praying, Spirit of death, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. This woman will not die. She will live. I speak the Zoe life of God over her life. And she said, I was poking you and prodding you. And then they, they grabbed her and they pulled her out, you know, because the ambulance had arrived. And she said, I took a big breath. And then I remember getting in the ambulance saying, I'm allergic to penicillin, I'm allergic to penicillin, I'm allergic to penicillin. And they went, yeah, yeah, you've told us. You know, and it was just so, you know, I mean, it was just such an amazing thing to look back on and see the goodness of God. And that's why when I, I speak about the scripture, I'm aware that we never know, you know, they tell us to be ready at any time for resuscitation, you know, to know what to do. But as Christians, we have the power and the authority to know what to do when something goes wrong with someone else. And we can actually step in there and we can declare the word of the Lord. Anyway, that was quite... I mean, I didn't find it traumatic at the time until I heard about it later. And I ended up with 10 stitches up here. And I even let some Chinese students practice on me. I said, I will if you'll do a mini facelift. And they said, no, I'm sorry, we can't do that. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't get that. Um, but do you know what the worst thing was? They cut all my hair off. You know, if you like your fringe, and they cut it off. So that was pretty bad for me. But anyway, um, you know, God was just so good. And it says, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand but it will not come near you. Only a spectator will we be because we are inaccessible in the secret place, in the secret place of the Most High, under the blood of the precious Lamb of God. You know, we can be safe and know, but we need to actually understand that and claim that and speak it out. When my children were little, we lived at Kilawarra, out of Wangaratta. And every morning, or before we even come up here, but every morning it was, um, you know, don't go out the door yet, I haven't prayed. And I would pray over them, pray the blood of Jesus. And if they had friends stay, the friends didn't mind, actually. The kids got a bit embarrassed, but the friends never minded. Until they got old enough to say, no, no, we can see the bus coming, we've got to run. And they'd have to run down the gate, you know. But I still pray for my for my for my children and for my grandchildren. You know, one of my granddaughters had two accidents in Melbourne recently, just new to Melbourne. And I thought, you know, I pray for her. And, you know, I say to them, I pray for you. And they go, they roll their eyes and they go, all right, Nana, you know, just Nana, you know. And, but she knows the power of God. She has known the power of God. And underneath, they know the power of God. 
and she could have been killed in one. She went round a roundabout too fast and slammed into a, um, a light pole, rode a car off. And so I know, you know, I know many times that we've had such calamities and yet the Lord has given me the scripture to pray, to pray out that scripture and to take rest in that because God's word said, Lord, your word is truth. You know, to take the scripture for ourselves and not just to read us, not just the story. You know, it's so powerful when we actually grab hold of that. Um, so then no evil shall befall you, nor any plague or calamity will come near your tent. And then it says, for he will give his angels a special charge over you, over your children, over your household, over your whole family, to accompany and defend and preserve you in all your ways of obedience and service. So there is a condition to be obedient to the Lord, and when it's in service, it doesn't mean that you've got to be in service in the church or whatever. It means to be willing, to be naturally supernatural wherever you go. You know, there's nothing worse than somebody being really, you know, hard on you and, and preaching at you, but be naturally supernatural. Oh, really? Oh, let me tell you what happened to me. You know, and people are very willing to listen to a testimony and, that, and it gives them faith too. And... You know, when I read about this, uh, his angels, it was so funny because two weeks ago a friend gave me a DVD on um, a young woman who was out to sea and she'd had an experience. And I've had that video, that's how old it is, it was a video, and yet her story was absolutely amazing too. I think she was on holiday somewhere and she went out in a little boat and she fell asleep. And it became a New York bestseller when she, and she was interviewed all over America. And she fell asleep and when she woke up, she was out in the ocean, she couldn't see land at all. And after two days, she was so disorientated and she just couldn't, she didn't know what she was doing. And so she stood up and she thought, I'll swim, which there's no way she could have done it. And she said, a loud voice said, do not get in the water, open your eyes. And she said, it was so loud, she thought, oh, who is here? And she looked around and she saw, I saw this biggest angel that you could possibly imagine. And his wings were out like they were curved around her. And then this voice said to her, look down. And she looked down and there were sharks and they were circling this little boat. Anyway, I can't remember the rest of the story, but she got saved soon after and, and, and spoke that testimony all over the world. I can remember having the video in a ladies' meeting years ago. So, you know, he'll give his angels charge over us. It's not just a fairy tale like, you know, feathers catching dreams or nightmares. It's the truth. I've heard angels, but I've never seen one. But I've got friends who have seen angels. And it's just amazing that people would see angels. It was great when I heard them too. Uh, singing, it was. I heard them singing. And they shall bear you up on their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and serpents shall you trample underfoot. And we know that again. It's saying again, power over 
every demonic thing that would come against you. Sometimes I find that we can have demonic things come against us and we don't actually realise it because we think it's our thoughts. People think that the thought they're having, which can be so destructive, is them, but it's actually whispering in the ear. It's not like you're going to hear a voice, Satan saying, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, it's in your mind. You're thinking it and all of a sudden it becomes truth and you think that's the truth. I have to react to that. I have to do something about that. But it's the enemy that comes in, you know, like it's very, very subtle. And I just think we need to be all the time saying, thank you, Lord, for your power of your blood and that I have power in your name over every demonic thing that will come against me and that will come against my children. And we need to be praying against this safe schools rubbish. I mean, the more I read, I thought some of the things that they're going to be teaching, I don't even know what they mean. And I mean, I keep up with what's happening and I've worked in social work for 30 years and I'm pretty much in it. However, some of them, the buy this and buy that and buy something else, I think, I don't know what that is. I really don't. How are our children going to cope with that? We need to be praying against that because it, it's a demonic thing. It is a demonic thing and we need to call it that and we need to, um, you know, place the blood of the lamb over our children every day when they, when they leave the house. Um, in verse 14, it says, Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he knows and understands my name and has a personal knowledge of my mercy and my love and my kindness. Trust and relies on me, knowing that I will never forsake him. No, never. In Hebrews, um, I can remember the Lord saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I always quote Amplified. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never, no, never, no, never let go of my hold of you. We can let go of our hold of him, but he still has his hold on us. We can walk away, but his love will never leave us. The grace of God is so amazing. It is absolutely so amazing when you give your life to him, he is going to hold on to you. The Holy Spirit is going to continually draw you back, draw back your children. You know, it says train up a child when he's young and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. There's often a bit in the middle where they do depart from it. But we know that they will come back. We know that the Lord's hand is upon them and we just pray protection over them during that time. And this is a good one too to actually to speak out over yourself. Lord, because you've set your love upon me, therefore I will be delivered. Like put your own name in the scripture and speak it out. You know, we're praying the anointed words of Jesus when we do this. I mean, sometimes we just pray, but some of these are so anointed prayers to be praying them out because we're praying the will of God. We're praying, praying the truth. And then in verse 15, it says, he will call upon me. He will call upon you. He will call upon every one of you. Like there's no one excluded, no one. He wants the whole world to, to love him and accept him and to be under the power of the blood, to be in that secret place. He, will call, he shall call upon me and I will answer him 
And then it says he's going to be with us in trouble. He's going to deliver us. He's going to honour us. And with long life, he's going to satisfy us and show, and show us his salvation. You know, I had someone come to me the other day and say, oh, you know, like it says in the Bible, we should, we're only going to live to 70 years, you know. And I thought, well, I'm dead, you know. <laughs> uh, 70 years, like, come on. But, you know, I had to explain, like, that was what Moses spoke out over the children of Israel in their rebellion. Like, people lived a long time in the Bible. 100 was young, you know. So we reject that and we say, Lord, a long and satisfying life. And this comes out of an intimate knowledge of Jesus, intimate worship with him, intimate just telling him how much you love him, you know, just telling him, Jesus, you're so beautiful, you're so wonderful. And then finding, you know, the scriptures that, that explain how it is you feel about him. And I'm, I'm winding up now. <laughs> um, yeah, I love the bit where it says, you will be saved and all your house. We can claim that because the Israelites found the power in God's word when the blood was on the lintel. Well, Jesus is our Passover lamb. His blood was shed for us. It was the, it was the final, the final one. And it's forever. It's forever. And I love it when, when I read his blood has never lost its power. It's never lost its power, never will lose its power. You know, any demonic thing, you speak the blood of the lamb and I tell you what, they'll flee, demons will flee at the name of Jesus, at the blood of Jesus. We've already heard that said this morning. Demons will flee because they are so fearful of the blood of Jesus Christ. So household salvation is biblical. We can pray that and we can expect that God will do that. And don't be... You know, like, don't give up hope when, you, when it doesn't happen immediately. It will happen. Like, his words are truth. His words are truth. And if we're teaching our children, telling our children, you know, I've got a, a niece who lives in, um, in Adelaide and she's got two little boys. And one day, um, one of them, a six-year-old, came home from school and said, oh, we started yoga today. And she said, Yoga? Um, why, what, why, what, what are you doing? And he said, oh, you know, we do all these exercises. And, and, she said, and she's a, you know, a very strong Christian young woman and she went to the headmaster and she said, we haven't had a letter or anything saying that our children, no one knew that, that, we're, that they're doing yoga. And he said, well, it's just part of the curriculum. Like, and the teacher said, well, you can take him out, but it'll make, you know, it won't help him if he's not part of it. And so she was in a bit of a quandary, like, what am I going to do? Because, you know, she looked it up and she saw, well, there's yoga exercises, but then it goes into the, you know, it goes into the spiritual. It goes into the giving yourself over to a, to a spirit, you know. And I personally prayed for people and I know what it can do to people. And so in the end, I mean, they can't take the children out. They can't do anything. So every day they just say the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus over these two little boys, you know. And I said to her, just relax because God is with them and he will he'll protect their minds. And as they're doing these exercises, they're just seeing them as exercises. And she said to the headmaster, if ever it comes into when you go into the ums and the, you know, all that stuff, 
I can't leave them here any longer. And he said, oh, no, we'll, we'll keep it as just exercises. But these things are creeping into the schools, you know. And Christians, we don't want our children led away from, you know, the values that we have. So Jesus is our covering. Like, we have to remember that in every part of our life. And just in finishing, Psalm 27, verse 5 says, In the day of trouble, he will hide me in his shelter. In the secret place of his tent will he hide me. And I will see, and he will set me high upon a rock. So in the time of trouble, you know, this we can always call on him. Sometimes, you know, if we've been a bit slack for a while, we'll think, oh, I can't ask God for that. I haven't been really very close to him lately. That's the time to run to him, you know. I used to say to children, you know, like, just because you've been naughty, you know, he's waiting for you to come to him so he can just love you and take the shame off you. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to lift the shame and the pain and everything off us because his blood is so powerful today and in Luke 10 19 and I know that you will know this one very well behold Jesus said behold I have given you authority and power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and I've given you physical and mental strength and ability Guard your mind, mental strength and ability over all the power that the enemy possesses and nothing shall in any way harm you. What an amazing God. What an amazing God. Thank you, Pastor Darrell.